This week on the podcast, I have an extra special guest. Daniel De La Cruz is the founder of Polymensa, providing agencies with a non-ego board of advisors to help them grow. There aren't too many other people in the world who are as knowledgeable about the challenges, stresses, and strains of agencies than Daniel. He's been around the block a few times. He's got all of the battle scars to prove it. And now he's putting his skills to work to make sure that other agencies don't make costly mistakes that you can make when you're growing your your business. If you are an agency between 20 to 50 people and are interested in anything to do with agency growth, then strap yourself in because this one is for you. So without me keeping you in suspense any further, my conversation with Daniel De La Cruz. My extra special guest this week is Daniel De La Cruz. He helps agencies build their advisory boards. He has extensive experience working with agencies of all types, shapes and sizes across the country. I'm very much looking forward to the conversation. Daniel De La Cruz, welcome to Agency Dealmasters. Thank you very much for having me. And um, can I just say up front, like, thank you very much as well for anyone who's listening to this right now, because... I know how hard it is to record these podcasts and Nathan, you're doing a fantastic job, mate, at uh, Agency Deal Masters and, you know, keep keep doing what you're doing. Get more listeners. Hey, everyone who's listening, bring more people to listen to this <laughs> because, um, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's not an easy thing to, to put a podcast together and it's a great piece of content that you put out every time for the agency world. And it's really important for agency founders. So everyone that's listening, keep, keep listening and thank you for your support. Definitely. Oh, wow. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to do with that. Um, I don't know what to do with praise and, and people saying good things about me. <laughs> I'll just say thank you and keep it moving. That's it. That's the podcast. It's done. That's <laughs> it. <can> leave now. <laughs> I, I don't think we can get many more listeners because obviously, as you know, our listenership is in the billions and, um, Pretty much everyone listens to the show. There are very few people that don't listen to the show, Daniel. Yeah, so, I, I reckon we've got to hit Mars now, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. We've known each other for a couple of years now. And yeah, I really love your content as well and, and everything that you're about. And you Cheers, reposition you. yourself. You've rebranded, which we'll talk about in a bit more detail a little bit later. I'm surprised that we've only gotten the chance to speak now on a podcast, but I'm sure there'll be many more in the future but let's talk about your background before we get into the the technical stuff you started your career in events management in 2005 if i'm not mistaken how do you go from there to the agency world it's a great question and um (laughs) yeah i would say event management is probably pushing it basically i was at uni and no one in my family went to uni so it was like the thing you know, our boys go to university. I grew up in Germany and you know, <laughs> my, my, my mom's German. My dad's from the Dominican Republic. So a bit of a mix there. Mm. Went to London, you know, by myself, knew no one and started this thing called uni. Realized really quickly I was super bored. <laughs> so, so what we didn't have was we didn't have any good events for our particular course. And what I wanted to do was bring everyone together. Because I thought, well, if I do that, then, you know, we can all learn from each other and so on. So the sort of basis of what I'm doing now mm. really already started back then. And so 
I set up a events business, should we say, but I call it, I just organize parties and, uh, <laughs> and basically brought in, you know, 500, 600 people together. And it was, uh, it was fantastic. And initially it was for our course, but then it, you know, I had people from all other unis coming across London and yeah, just, just great, great times. Uh, try to continue that after university, but London is quite an expensive place and I've not come from money. So I don't have that privilege of um you know mm. having that cushion i sure. basically just couldn't sustain that as a business and and had to find a job really quickly managed to find a job in an agency because that's what you do when you're in london and you're uh, studying marketing and you know you're a bit creative and so on and yeah that's how i got into the agency world so I know that you've been working with agencies for a long time and you've got a, a massive network of agencies of all different shapes and sizes across the country. From all of your interactions with agencies over the years, what have you learned about what the best agencies do to build profitable, successful businesses that the least successful ones don't? Yeah, the big question, the big question. I always struggle with these questions because I think there are so many different ways to doing things. And this is yeah, this is the thread throughout what I do and and how I do things and how I approach learning. But if you want a couple of nuggets with you know with agencies that I see doing really well in general, there's a couple of things. So one of them is they've found a thing that they're known for, I guess, their position in the market. And and I think it's such an important thing. And we we look at you, you and I, we do both both of us do this, but we look at hundreds and hundreds of agency websites and look you know it's the same thing over and over and over again right like they're saying the same things and actually having a real strong position in the market is the thing that that makes the difference with a lot of agencies so you know you call it a niche whatever you want to call it but just something that you're known for and if i think about all of the agencies that i'm working with including agencies like Blue Array, for example, or FX, you know, they're, they're agencies that are really well known for what they do. You know, Blue Array saying, yes, we are the best pure play SEO agency, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whether that is the truth or not doesn't matter, but what they are known for is SEO and nothing else. FX, they do connected TV apps um, and that's all they're known for. And they've grown, I mean, they've grown insane in the last 18 months. So they went from 20 employees to almost 70 employees, right? So once you've found that position and you're in the right place in the right time, that's what makes a massive, massive difference. I think it's really hard to find that when you start off because you're kind of still exploring, experimenting, but getting to that really, really quickly is definitely, I say, the differentiator between ones that are doing well or not. The other thing is thinking big, and I don't mean this in the level of you have to like, grow and sell your agency but just like thinking a little bit bigger thinking a little bit outside of your circle and what happens often is that agency founders end up in maybe circles where like the client size is a certain size you know the other agency founders there around are a certain size and they're never kind of looking at what's the next bigger thing you know and they're never striving for that bigger or they're kind of thinking oh well i'll never be able to work with that big tech company you know or whatever right so actually like changing that mindset and going, do you know what? No, I can. Like, let's go for some of these bigger clients. Let's start operating in circles where there are people that to me would be unreachable usually, 
right? But try to reach out to those people. I think that's the second thing. And then the third thing is valuing yourself. I think that's something that's really problematic with us humans in general. But for agency founders, I find this a lot that they often devalue what they do and they devalue themselves as as their value to to their clients, to their community. And I think that's a really key thing because if you don't value yourself, how can you put a price on what you do, Mm. right? That's going to be sustainable for what you do. And what happens often is that a lot of agency founders actually are not that great at the finance side of things. So they don't really understand what it means to be sustainable. And then they charge like silly fees that just can't, you can't grow your business as a result of that. Right. Mm. And so, so I think that's, that's another thing, like really just being confident about your pricing and going in and going, do you know what, let's put it at that level and that's it. And then move from there and move on to the next level and put your price up again. Right. Mm. So I think those are like the three, the three really key things that I see often with agencies that are doing really well. Interesting. Positioning, thinking big, and valuing yourself. Sound a bit like a like a counselor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit, it's a bit of therapy being a, an agency owner. Oh, mate, Mason, I have it all the time. Like pe- people come to me, always like, Dad, we like a therapist. I'm like, yeah, I enjoy. I just enjoy, you know, I enjoy helping agency founders out. You know, it's it's. Um, it's a thing I do often and, and it's a thing I spent many, many years on uh, with the Agency Collective as well. And, you know, hard, like tough topics as well, you know, really tough topics. Like some of them just being, you know, like people calling me up on a Sunday and, and you know, wanting to commit suicide, right? Like as wow. a result of really? of them being so stressed and, and everything collapsing in the world. And I think, mm. you know, life sh- life is so amazing, right? Like life is so amazing. I mean, you caught me in a really great week. I've got a, you know, I've got an amateur boxing fight on Saturday. I'm like Good a luck. peak performance physically, mentally. You look fantastic. I honestly like it's gonna go great. When you're when you're in this mode, like life is amazing. Mm. But when you're like been beaten down by all the different things that you come across, you know, every day, maybe your clients, your um, employees. You know, at the next step at home, you may come home, there's another derailer and stuff. Like you can go from being like on the top of the world to like being absolutely yeah. at the bottom of it. Rock and, bottom. and you forget that a week ago you were up there. And I think that's something that like, I, I always feel really sad when, when a human being gets to that point. So I, I tend to be that type of person that comes in and goes, Hey, let's, let's have a chat. You know, let's bring you back to that point basically, because it's, you know, again, life is, Life is amazing and, and life is quite simple, uh, but we, we complicate it a lot. Hmm. One of the things that I struggle with now being a recent agency owner myself is is just that, right? So just, just the highs and lows and the peaks and troughs throughout the day or the week. So you can get a really piece of, of great news in the morning, have it taken away from you a few hours later, go on another high of getting some really great news with an employee or a contract or, you know, whatever it is that you're working on. And there are these pendulums throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month. And if you're not careful about the lows, then it can really derail you and affect your confidence and really get you thinking, bloody hell, I wish I'd never quit that job that I was doing five years ago. (laughs) Um, I wish I was doing that again. But then with those peaks, you're like, this is the best thing ever. And I'm glad that I've made this decision. But 
keeping that even keel and keep, keeping level throughout the peaks and the troughs is really the thing that I've really struggled with and something that I'm working on. And I guess that's the same for a lot of the people that you've been speaking to with, you know, bigger clients, larger budgets, et cetera, who've been doing it for far longer than I have. Talk a little bit about that. You, you know what? I think you, you're, you're absolutely spot on. And, and it's, I think the topic of fear is, is a really interesting topic. Like I think it's one that we deal with every single day and it's natural, right? Like I always think it's so weird how like language has evolved so much that actually I spend my entire day unpicking which part of my fear about something is something that's primal. So something that when we were, you know, cave men and women running around, you know, mm. away, running away from saber tooth tigers and, you know, mammoth yeah. elephants and whatever, right? Like in fear of death. Sure. And going, this is the worst thing that can happen right now. I can actually die here. And sort of going, well, with this fear that I'm approaching right now, is it a primal fear that's basically a survival instinct of mine? Or is it fear that's fabricated by the language that we use? Hmm. Right. And I think that's that's a really interesting thing. Like there's so much of our fear is actually part of our language. So what I mean by that is if someone says to you something, oh, that's really scary. Well, is it really scary or is it just because they said that? Hmm. Or is it scary because we're told in our in our vocabulary that this is something you should be scared of, right? Like all stories that we think of, you know, being scared of the monsters that are under your bed or whatever, right? Like all of these things are part of our language. And I'm I'm constantly having to sort of, you know, go, right, okay, every time I approach something, you go, oh, you know, you get that, you know, you get that feeling, you just want to curl up in bed, right? Like mm. you don't want to do anything else. And you go, right, but is this now a feeling that I'm having because I'm in threat of actually dying, right? Or is this a feeling of actually do you know what? What's the worst that can happen? Well, you know what? You, you you lose a few pounds and do you still have bread? Do you still have water? Do you still have a roof? Yes, you do. So I think we're good here. Let's keep going, right? You recently set up Polymensa, helping agencies with a non-executive, non-ego advisory board. By the way, I love your positioning, by the way. It's fantastic. (laughs) Helping agencies with a non-executive, non-ego advisory board. Tell us a little bit more about what that means and tell us a little bit more about the service offering to agencies. Right, Nathan, I'm going to put you on the spot here. We're going to do some improv. You're like, what the hell? This was not planned. This is not not the plan. (laughs) I ask the questions. You answer them. Have you not listened to podcasts? Nathan, we're going to do some improv. Let's do it. Okay. Let's do it. Because I, I thought about this and I thought, you know what? What's a memorable way to explain to people what I do? And I think the best way to do it is, is to tell a story. Um, one, of the, like, one, one of the awesome books I'm reading currently is Into the Woods by John York. I haven't come across it, no. Uh, you've got to put on your list. So uh, how stories work and why we tell them, right? I think it's a really great book. It's like absolutely mind-blowing when you then read it and you go back and look at all the movies you've watched in the past and gone, 
yeah, that makes sense. That's why that movie was so good, right? So we're, we're going to try this now, right? And, yeah. and and everyone that's listening, Nathan has absolutely no clue whatsoever. Oh <laughs> we're going to do this. We're not going to plan this. I did this, not right? sign up for this. So this will either work or it will go terribly wrong. And if it does, I take full responsibility, right? <laughs> right, here we go. So let's start this. Once upon a time, I like that. That's always a good start, isn't it? In Markartia, yeah, let's, let's call the land Markartia, right? We had agency founder. That's a blank. So we need to put in a name. Let's call him Nathan, shall we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So this is you, Nathan. And I'm going to prompt you to behave in your way as an agency founder, right? So we had once upon a time in Markatia, we had Nathan who was busy running his agency, agency deal the master's obviously, right? That's what we want. Uh, when one late evening he receives a mysterious phone call from, and here we need an antagonist. So let's think of something. So I thought, I thought maybe what we could do is we could put in like procurement. Okay, procurement. Let's use procurement as an antagonist. Right. Because <laughs> everyone loves everyone loves procurement. Everyone, everyone absolutely hates procurement <laughs> sorry procurement people who are listening to this yeah. but you'll be loving this you're the antagonist now um right now we need a uh, we need an evil voice for that the antagonists the procurement departments they come across and seize all control of all client budgets and suddenly your agency that's been doing so well uh, over the last few years and you've got you know 20 employees that are all super happy and your world is 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 amazing in a perfect place suddenly crumbles because the budgets are all seized and procurement all want to revise all their agency rosters and everything and you start losing one client after another and everything just crumbles and it's difficult and you're in your room in your quiet room silence and you just listen out and you go what can i do what can i do here right and suddenly you get uh, the non-executive coming, the savior, <laughs> the advisor. Right. I need help. Here is help. Right. So the non-executive comes along. Right. Uh, John. Let's call him John. Right. And John comes along. And John's a little bit like, um, let's let. Do you know what? In a in a really good story, what often happens is that actually the protagonist doesn't know sometimes that what they want is not necessarily what they need. Mm. And I think that's a really important differentiator. Yeah. So what they what they want sometimes isn't what they really need. Mm-hmm. And so this non-exec comes along, tells them, look, I can solve you all of your problems. Everything. Like, I can solve all of your problems. We will sort this thing out with these crazy, crazy procurement teams. And I'll tell you exactly how I've done it in 1821 when I ran my agency. <laughs> And, uh, and, and everything that I did back then to the, uh, to the antagonists, right? These, these procurement people, it works. Believe me, here's my formula. And you go in, you start working alongside this person. And actually what starts happening is that there's non-exec, you know, you know, the, um, in Lord of the Rings, what is it? Is it, uh, the, Frodo. The, one, the Frodo, yeah. And then there's the one that goes, my precious. Uh, Gollum. Gollum, that's the one. What's his good side? What's his I know, bad side? I know my Lord of the Rings. Um, oh god! Now you're oh, here's the test. You shouldn't have said that. <laughs> his I good side. Gollum has a good side. Yeah, isn't it like he's got the first? He starts off as good, and then he gets worse, and like 
as he goes along, he goes worse oh, and worse because he really wants the ring, right? Like, okay. and he turns into this evil like thing, and he kills his cre- other creature and stuff. Right. right. So, so think of the non-executive as this, you know. And I don't mean non, not all non-executives. I'm sorry, at all. Just the one, this, this particular one, right? He comes along and he basically um, helps you out and stuff. And you start following all of the things that he's saying. He said, yes, we'll go this way along the path. This is the way to do it. And he gives you all these tips how to deal with the uh, the antagonist, right? The procurement team. And you go to the procurement team and it may work for the first one. And then the second one, it doesn't work. And it doesn't work. And it keeps not working. Everything is going worse and worse and worse. And you go, this is ridiculous, right? So you go and you... you you just say to the non-exec, I, I really can't do this anymore. All of your advice is not working, right? So you walk off and you go off and you find this community of people. It's a bunch of other agency founders and they're all working together and they're all helping each other and they're all super nice and it's a peer community, right? And you join it and there you are getting the advice from agencies that are starting off all the way to big agencies with 100 people that are all talking about how they're dealing with this procurement crisis that has come up, right? Mm -hmm. Now, the problem is the ones that are starting off, they actually never dealt with procurement before. Mm. The ones that are like 100 people in a complete different situation to who you are, right? And so you're like getting all these mixed messages and stuff that's actually not really relevant necessarily for your agency and your problem that you're solving, right? So then... Here comes along Polymenza. The savior, the solution. <laughs> the savior, the one who will turn you into a hero again. So Polymenza comes along and you go, what is this thing called Polymenza? And you're part of this group of agencies that are all similar size and suddenly get exactly the problems that you have because they're all similar size, right? And then you start speaking to other advisors that Polymenza brings in. So not just non-execs, but advisors from all walks of life, not just the agency world, outside of the agency world. So you start being really creative about how you can solve this problem of overcoming the antagonist, right? Procurement people. And actually what you find is that the thing you need to really work on is negotiation, right? That's the thing you really need to work on to solve this problem. And essentially Polymenza brings in not just one negotiation expert, they bring in 10, 15, and you start talking to these 15 negotiation experts and you start seeing which one of them has a blind spot, which one doesn't, like who's actually the real deal. Mm -hmm. And you start understanding the full picture of the problem. You don't just have one single perspective, you have multiple perspectives. And now you've got the information that you need to go and go into that final epic battle with procurement. <laughs> and you end up in this room with the bean counters and they've got their beans in front of them. And they're counting them one by one. And you're there ready to attack them with all of the tools for all the different perspectives that you've caught on, right? And, uh, and, and what happens in the end, procurement gives you that contract again. And agency is fine. And you walk off into the sun, hand in hand with all the procurement people and your Polymenza squad. (laughs) (laughs) So two comments. Fantastic story. It's super clear what Polymenza does and the value that it adds. The second is that's the longest value prop I've ever heard in the history of my life. (laughs) 
<laughs> but it but it gets across the message <laughs> in a in a beautiful story format that essentially you're you know you're bringing together a group of really talented non-executive directors agency people of similar sorts of sizes and similar sorts of have gone through similar sorts of challenges to help you navigate the world or any particular challenge that you're going through at, at any particular time which ultimately is needed for not only agency leaders but for every type of entrepreneur out there that's growing and launching any sort of any sort of initiative or anything new there's no point reinventing the wheel we've all we're all doing things that have been done before by other people successfully or less successfully and by reinventing the wheel and trying to go it alone you're essentially wasting time trying to figure out stuff that's already been figured out not every agency's business is going to be exactly the same but there are patterns to success and there are patterns to things that work and i think what you're saying is let's put you in a room with lots of other people that have figured out those patterns yeah exactly and and the the reality as well is um you know again it's it's about the perspective right like again i'm i'm not i'm not saying don't get an advisor a non-executive advisor right i think there's a lot of good non-executives and again you know we bring them in right and actually a lot of non-execs love working with us because we're never going to be bigger than 30 agencies in our troop so we'll only have a maximum of 30 agencies I've, i'm specifically building this business not to scale it so they only will ever be 30 so anyone beyond that hey they'll want to be part of it we won't have the capacity so we will send them off to like the advisors that we're working with right so um so i i'm not saying don't get a non-executive advisor and i think that's really important the, the message here is get a non-executive advisor but get multiple get multiple perspectives because in life we never ever learn by picking the first person who speaks the loudest and taking their advice and thinking this is the exact map to the territory like it just it's not how we learn right and and you know you 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 will been in this multiple times right like i always use the, the example of the nutritionist and i go you know if you pick that one diet that one single nutritionist is giving to you and it doesn't work for your body you're both screwed right the nutritionist is basically giving you a diet that doesn't work which devalues his service and you have got a diet that's not working for your body and now you're like well great this was a waste of time but if you would have spoken to 10 nutritionists pick and choose what works for your agency right for your body then you would have started to go ah right okay so this actually works for me this doesn't and that's fine right because the reality is and and let me let, let me make this really really clear right i've met thousands of agencies and there is no right way like there is no one way it, it's and and most agency founders are making stuff up as they go along i know it sounds ridiculous but like everyone is sort of you know trying out things trying new things because the market is constantly changing the world is constantly changing right there is no way to 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 take that formula that has worked 10 years and, and apply it one-to-one -one. there's always going to be modifications in that. that's just the, the nature of the world right so why not approach learning things or overcoming challenges in a way that makes sense which is to avoid as as many blind spots as possible and reduce the variables so that you can be successful rather than taking a big big chance on something 
<laughs> and I'm going, oops, it didn't work because I only, you know, like took that first thing and I went for it, right? You might be lucky. Hey, if you're lucky, great. And I'm, I'm really happy for you, but I've, I'd rather work with a probability that's, you know, higher than that. So tell us what types of agencies you typically, Polymensa typically works for the best and what type of problems do they typically have? Mm, great question. It's most suitable for agencies between 20 and 50 employees. Uh, that's what we, we specialize in. And the, the reason it's, uh, we, we do that is because, first of all, the, the, the challenges they have are very similar, right? And one of the challenges that happens when you get to about 20 employees is you build a leadership team for the first time. Leadership, the concept of leadership becomes a like, whole new thing to you as opposed to when you were a few people sat around a table or, you know, now remotely, obviously, uh, that, that is probably one of the biggest challenges. The whole structure of the agency is the next thing. Like how do you then structure something that is at least has some longevity that, you know, you get to about 50 up to maybe a little bit more hundred employees, then you can start sort of looking at the next structures. Right. But something that will last you at least for that, you know, that next batch of scale and uh that sounds really horrible that next batch of scale people coming in <laughs> uh but but that's that's really the the main things look everything else is 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 always going to be uh, the same for any agency marketing new business you know all those things getting that right uh, i think people operations is a massively massively underrated role in the agency world uh that a lot of agencies i know that are about you know 80 between 80 and 150 employees don't have proper proper people operations departments right they have like an operations person that covers operations but also does hr and that's like to me i i like i i don't understand that because agencies are all about human beings and not only that the new generations that are coming into the industry are completely changing the way that we look at how we work right like they're defining the rules. And it's like, if you don't have a, a really good people ops director in place who sorts out all of these things um, and creates an environment where people feel like they can belong, they feel like they're developing in their career and they feel like somewhere that they can just be a happy human being, like that's, you know, that is a real big red flag for me in an agency. So those are kind of like the challenges that come up at that stage, basically, especially at like around 20 to 25 employees, because Look, let's face it, if you're a single founder and you've got 20 employees, all of those problems are being, like, they come to you, right? Mm. And, and at some point, you run out of time for the amounts of problems that you have to deal with. So you have to start building some sort of structure that, you know, filters things out and, and basically give up your, your power to, to more capable people that you bring on board. Mm. Okay, so now I'm going to ask you my favorite questions. These are the questions that I ask all of my guests. So I'm going to choose some of these at random and, and fire them at you. These are getting to know you, who's the person behind the brand sort of questions. First one, tell us about a time when you failed and what you learned from that experience. Uh, so for me, this is really relevant, uh, or this is relevant for, not for me, relevant for everyone that's listening. I built an agency and I sank that into the ground. Um, and that's quite shocking to a lot of people because they go, hold up a second, you're doing all this advice stuff. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't advise. I facilitate. I bring in the advisors. So um, so there's there's a big difference, uh, difference there. 
Now, what did I learn from that experience? Uh, for me, it was a really hard period financially at that time. And well, two things. One is I learned how to deal with finances really well because I've never... I've, I've never had any education in that kind of level. You know, my, my parents never educated me on that because they couldn't, they didn't have, you know, a, 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 that fine financial acumen. So, so I went into that business. Basically, as soon as there was money, I would just take it out and spend it. And, and that was, you know, that was a big, big learning for me. And actually there's someone that I um, really highly rate who's helped me a lot with this over the years. That's Peter Chap from the Wow Company. Mm. Who uh, who I I ran a business together with called the Agency Collective. Um, it's a peer community for agency founders, and and I definitely learned a lot about managing your finances and being really prudent with how you spend the money that goes out of your business. The second thing I've learned from that, because I think this is really important, is when you come out of a situation like that and you basically have no money left. I mean, like I say, like very little money left you quite quickly realize how little you need in life. And for me, and I say this over and over and over again, for me personally, I realized I didn't need more really than bread, water, and a roof over the head. Mm. And I think when you go back to that basic of things and you can work from that point on, like anything is achievable because any situation you put yourself in that may be a risk actually you start looking at it, you're going, well, what's the worst that can happen, right? And, you know, that was kind of the whole thing around unpicking what's a primal fear, what's something that's actually a, you know, a fabricated fear, really. I love that answer. I know you read a lot. You mentioned Into the Woods, which I actually just just bought as you were speaking. Love it. But what other books do you love? What other books do you keep on coming back to? What other books help agency founders grow successful businesses? Ha. I've I've actually got a couple of books laying here and for that very reason, because I'm always like looking at them. Well, one of them is um, now again, for the list- listeners, you can't see this, unfortunately, but on the video one, you can, it's green eggs and ham uh, from Dr. Zeus. And I read, I read that as a bedtime story for my daughter. And the reason I love this book so much is because it's all about persistence. Mm. Uh, and for those of you that don't know, it's basically a story of a guy who's trying to sell green eggs and ham to this guy who doesn't want to have it. And he keeps on like going back and going, well, why don't you try it with this? And why don't you try it this way? And how about that way? And the guy goes, no, I don't want it this way. I don't want it that way. And it just keeps going for the whole book. At the end, he goes, look, if I try it, will you leave me alone? And then he's like, yeah, okay. Oh, sorry, spoiler alert here. And then he goes and he he basically eats the, um, eats the green eggs and ham and he absolutely loves them, you know? And mm-hmm. and it's a, I think it's a really, really clever children's story that's actually very applicable to the business world in many ways, especially when it comes to new business. That's one of them, funny enough. Mm. The other one is the Into the Woods one I really like uh, as a recent one that I've read. And then a third one, which I highly recommend is The Great Mental Models. Oh, that's the one that you got for me. Yes, that is the one that I got for you. And there's three volumes on that. Yes. Wow, three volumes. There are three volumes in that. So, so it's all about mental models, men, like mental models of different concepts in the world. Everything from physics to chemistry to mathematics to general, um, you know, asking questions, finding out the truth about things and stuff. And it's it's a really good book to like calibrate the way that you think about things 
and and make it easier for you to understand things that are typically difficult to understand. So I, I highly mm. recommend that. Great one. The, the other one that um, I loved as well that was a recommendation of yours is Obviously Awesome by... April Dunford. April Dunford. Yeah. Fantastic book on positioning. Yes. Read it, devoured it. It's fantastic. Are you going to follow the process, content. mate? I 100%. How oh, you've I got not? to do it. That's how I... That's. <laughs> I mean, April, April, and and thanks a lot for play, the Playground. They're, they're a great branding agency. They help me with the branding. But from a positioning point of view, it was basically April Dunford, who uh, I have to credit massively to, you know, like that's how I came up with the positioning for Polymenza. What do you do to keep mentally and physically fit? <laughs> Boxing. I get punched in the nose. <laughs> keeps me fit. <laughs> keeps you running away. Keeps your cardio up. Exactly. <laughs> Good luck for your fight on Saturday, by the way. Thanks a lot. Amazon Prime or Netflix, what are you watching or streaming? Uh, do you know what? First of all, I don't have a TV. Um, so I made that conscious decision. I've got a projector. So occasionally I, I will indulge in that if there's some sporting event or a film that I really want to watch. But I, I don't have a TV for the very reason that I'm, I'm just someone that I've focused on so many different things and I just don't have the time to mm. just sit on a sofa and, and, and watch TV. When I do, it's, it, it is Netflix and it, yeah, documentaries usually, mm. or, or just like a, you know, good old film as well. What advice would you give to a young person or millennial who comes to you and wants to start their career in the agency world? So I think I'm going to broaden this. Um, don't be afraid to reach out directly to people, you know, and just ask them for help and be very honest about the position that you're in, right? Like, look, I've just come out of school. I've just come out of uni or I'm at uni. I really want to get into this industry. I need some help. Ev like everyone that's a good human being in our industry will be willing to help. And, and I think it's so weird how, you know, um, I've got this quote that I really love, which is let hope propel you forwards, not fear hold you back. And actually, I've, I've kind of changed that quote a little bit to let your actions propel you forward, not in action hold you back. Mm. And I think that's the, that's the advice that I would give to a young person wanting to get into the agency world. Just go and do it. Just contact people and ask them for help. They will want to help and you'll, you'll be surprised that how quickly you build your network in the industry and, and how quickly you can move into a position that suddenly you're, you know, you're, you're, you're doing the same thing to the next generation that are coming. And my final question, Daniel, you can answer this one now. <laughs> what, is, what is it you know about the world of growing agency businesses today that you wish you knew at the beginning of your career? Yeah, and, and again, a little bit more broader than agencies but it's very relevant for agency as well the one thing i wish i would have known when i when i started off in the agency world when i was what 21 years old is like long long-term thinking i think the 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 problem with a lot of our stories that are out there about success and things like that is that they're often like described as quite short-term endeavors of two three years or whatever i tend to now think always in five-year terms you know if if i don't have a specific goal of something like if i don't go okay right i want to achieve this i basically just set a time limit and say look 
in five years time, let's see what happens, right? Whereas in the past, I probably would have given it a year and then just kind of given up. And I think there's, that's to be said in everything, like whether it comes down to your personal finances and, you know, investing, um, whether it comes down to your agency and how fast your agency grows, the, the client relationships that you build, you know, I've got a, I've got a met in mind, Ryan Hall, um, great advisor, by the way. Mm, great. Guy. Um, he, you know, he spent four years, I think, working on a potential client that he ended up winning that ended up being his biggest client. Right. And that's, it was a million pound a year client. And, and so that's a four year journey, right. That he just continuously pursued, pursued. And I always loved that story. So long, like long-term thinking really is, is the thing like, stop, stop letting those short-term setbacks hold you back. Like just just think long-term, you know, like think of it as a, as a process of, right. Okay. You know, and I've, I've I said this to someone in the boxing gym the other day who was, um, uh, who was going to have a fight and he, he was like, he was a bit scared to get into the, to that fight and stuff. And I said to him, what does it matter? Like, just, if you lose, it doesn't matter. If you lose, it doesn't matter. Just think of it. He, he's 21. Right. And I said, think of it as like a two, three year journey from now and think of about this loss as a or this potential loss as a way of learning of that two three year journey you know build your foundation for one year build the next level for the second Mm. year for the third year go in really Mm. hard right and then it's like wow suddenly you'll be in a whole different level but most people like you know just think short term great answer and a great place to end daniel thank you so much for doing this thank you very much for having me we have been speaking with Daniel De La Cruz. He is currently the CEO and founder of Polymensa. If you enjoyed this conversation, then head over to Apple Podcasts where you can listen to over 150 such conversations we've had with world-class leaders in the agency space. Thank you for all of your feedback and suggestions on LinkedIn and email. Write to me at nathanagencydealmasters.com. Please head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Follow me on Twitter at Nathan Anibarba. We would be unable to do this show without our very own deal masters. Tyler Baller is our booker. Christoph Boaszczak is our executive producer. I'm Nathan Anibaba. You've been listening to Agency Deal Masters. Mm-hmm.